show is sponsored by Hive Mind CRM. It is more than just a CRM. It is a real estate and business mastermind that comes with an all-in-one CRM. You can have unlimited websites and users. You can call, text, RVM, and email all-in-one user interface. And you can set up custom automations for any type and multiple businesses. 65% of companies start using a CRM system within the first five years of business. Once implemented, the HiveMind will save you on marketing, give you more time, and make more money. One of our users has had his first $100,000 month using our system in June. We want to see you automate and accelerate your business. Text us at 210-972-1842 for future meetings. And of course, to get our $1 course on how to make more than six figures on one land deal. You can schedule your free demo today at hivemindcrm.io. Hey, happy whatever day this is, because you don't know. Um, <laughs> see, we're just rolling with this. Um, we're, we're here. Hey, 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 they don't know what day it is. I don't even know what day it is. And it's not that I know yeah. the calendar. It's just I don't know what day it is. So we're just going to roll with it. See, that's how we do. Um, we're here with Rob Kessler. He is an inventor, an entrepreneur, and you do real estate, which we'll kind of cover all of those. But I'm curious to have some conversations. So usually the first question I like asking is, how did you end up in entrepreneurship? Because like most people don't fall into it. It's kind of like either a passion project or it was like they hate their job and they're like, I hate bosses and I'm going to do this on my own. So how'd you end up in, how'd you end up in the entrepreneurship? Well, I mean, we won't talk about the fact that might be. Um, so oh, no. it went way, way earlier than that. You know, I <clears throat> when I was little, uh, my dad used to, we get like, I don't know, 50 cents a day for an allowance or something. And then we got, you know, I think lunch was like two bucks at, at school. So what he taught us is he would give us the week's worth of money on Sunday night. Uh-oh. You know, you want to go splurge on Monday, Tuesday, and you don't have anything to eat for the rest of the week. That's your problem, but you'll figure out real fast. And so, I mean, I'm talking in middle school. He was did that. So I think that help on the money money side uh but you know as part of that a lot was chores and one of them from cutting the grass and so you know i started cutting his grass cut the neighbor's grass and then more neighbors and i mean i literally remember being 10 11 years old cutting grass 12 whatever it was and thinking i'm gonna cut this grass so good that a car driving by is gonna stop me and say they want me to cut their grass and i used to say when i would when i would do things and you know nobody ever did because i basically lived on a dead end street so <laughs> there really wasn't much traffic but the neighbors talked and, you know i had three or four grasses i would cut every week during the summer so um started with that but you said your dad ended up firing you that was much later in life but yeah i uh i worked for him in the jewelry business and so i worked there in my second in my junior and senior year of college i worked full-time at store and went to school full-time and left after college, moved to help him open a store out of town for the first his first store out of town. Uh, I hated where I lived. It was so small. And so I ended up leaving there, went to LA for a while. I came home, got into real estate, 2006 and real estate totally eight, nine crashed. I went back to work for him in like 2008 or nine and um, worked there for about another two and a half years. And you know, at this point, I. I'd done some stuff. I was successful. I was one of the top, I don't know, three or four salespeople in the company. 
And I'm like, okay, dude, I need, I need more challenge. I can't sit here all day and not be challenged. I need more. And they just weren't willing to push me along. And, and so just started button heads a little bit. And, you know, when you're a successful entrepreneur, usually that's your firstborn child, even though I'm the firstborn with the exact same name. as yeah. So, um, you know, it worked out great because it was more important for us to have a good relationship than it was for me to work there. So, um, we're, we have an amazing relationship now and, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's a funny story. I think it, it is, it is, um, a lot, a lot of people, they, uh, working with family can be difficult sometimes, but sometimes it works out. It's, it doesn't work all the time, but when it does work, it, it's good, but it doesn't always work out. And sometimes you have to like, to save the relationship. I got to work or you got to work somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he was petrified of second generation businesses. I mean, he had okay. a lot of friends that had them and passed them on to their kids and they just ran them into the ground because they had no idea what they were doing. They were just handed this like empire. And okay. I think if he, instead of him feeling like we were going to fail, if he would have set us up more to succeed, I think it would have been an easier transition. My sister is still with the company. She's still the head buyer. I mean, she does a lot there, but, um, it, his mentality he just got around a bunch of people that their kids had totally just crushed their entire business so um yeah i mean i, th I think that's just what was prevalent for him yeah he had a little ptsd from other people's experience <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know he took responsibility at 150 employees and you know 35 million a year in revenue and i mean that's not a small thing to just say you know here you go and and i knew that he never gave me anything in my life i knew i wasn't going to get anything handed to me but I knew sitting in the sales floor and waiting in, in retail was just going to make me insane. I just, I have too much ADD for that. So, um, and it's funny cause like everything, like we hate doing it, we usually end up doing later for ourselves. And it's just like, now I have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's, you force yourself into things that you have to do. I mean, yeah, you're right. Exactly. Yeah. And then it's no longer, it's like, uh, all right, I guess I have to do it for, I have to do it for myself now. <laughs> Yeah, once it's yours, you know, the mentality changes, but um, you know, my mind is just always wandering. So to sit there in a retail environment for 8, 10, 12 hours a day, it's just like, oh, my God, I was starting to just go stir crazy. So um, we're going to kind of pivot the conversation into uh, inventing because it says Rob Kessler inventor. So I always like I like talking to people that create because as as in the in the world we live in, there's like 99% consumers and there's like that 1% that create things, whether it's creating businesses, products, services, and creating a better world in the future. So what's, what's your invention process go, going through? Like uh, how many inventions have you made? If it's just one, I mean, that's, that's an accomplishment. I've never invented anything. So let's, let's, let's talk about that. Um, you know, I came up with a couple of things. This is the first one that I've, I've gone after. Um, one of mine, uh, way back, I don't know, man, I was like 20 or 21 years old. And I always thought, you know, that plastic landscape edging that is like a tube on top and then a piece of plastic that came down, a little hook on the bottom. Yeah. I'm like, why, why don't they build the, like, sprinklers into that? And so I had a friend who had a plastics company, and I was futzing around with that. It was going to cost so much to extrude the plastic and make it, but, I mean, I came up with that when I was in my 20s. And I don't know if anybody ever did anything with it or not, or maybe somebody will now. But, you know, to me, it's just a, I find a problem. I mean, I can sit in a car and be like, dude, I don't like the way this is laid out. It doesn't make sense. Like that button is too small, or this should be over here. Stuff like that just it makes sense to me. Um, 
And so when I got married in this photo here, <clears throat> it was uh, the beach in Jamaica. This is 30 minutes after I put on a brand new freshly pressed shirt. Uh, it's a one express one MX express shirt. So like the number one selling dress shirt in America, uh, brand new, freshly pressed. And it didn't even make it till when I said I do 30 minutes after I put it on. So, uh, I remember, you know, we flew a photographer down, we're looking at the 2,500 photos he took the next day. And I'm like, God, my shirt just looks terrible in every single one of these photos. I hate wearing ties, but I still want to look put together. And I mean, you could see my, like my undershirt is showing. I mean, just, it was just terrible. So I came home from Jamaica and I Googled everything I could find. Everything was around some kind of kitschy collar, say the magnetic ones, the, there's like, I've seen like, you know, those 80s hair bands that girls used to wear, you put that underneath and try to keep it up. I'm like, that is not the problem. The problem is, is there's no structure in the front of the shirt. So I took every piece of plastic around my house. I cut it into different shapes and started stuffing it down the front of the shirt to just give some structure to that part. And so, I mean, milk cartons, mini blinds, I had little flexible um, cutting boards. I was cutting that open. So just trying to figure out what the right material was. Um, I never wanted to sell somebody a $2 you know, piece of thing and ruin their $100 shirt. I never wanted to be responsible for that. So it took me three years of testing materials and then finally developing a material to you know, come up with the final product. Wow, um, that's amazing. You saw it was, it was your own problem that you solved. <laughs> I think most inventions are, you know, it's, it, if it's a personal problem and you fix it, you just hope to God that, you know, there's a million other people around the world that are just like you having the same problem and willing to pay for the solution. So what's the, okay. So you went through testing, creating, uh, what's the patent process like? Cause not, I, I've never done this before. So this is my first person I've ever talking through. What's the patent process like? Patent process sucks. I mean, the second you start it, it is just writing multi-thousand dollar checks. Um, so, you know, the first step was, you know, you can go on to the USPTO, which is US uh, Patent and Trademark Office, and search around for key terms and search around to see if there are other patents that are out there that would, you know, be what you're trying to create. Uh -huh. And I did that and I felt confident enough that there wasn't something there, but it, the first thing that an attorney does, fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars, is do an official deep dive into patents and see if your thing is viable. Um, so you start with that check, and then it's like, you know, my guy was—I don't know—I I knew that I was going to surround myself and make this the main thing in my life. So I didn't want to go to like, you know, a high school friend that <clears throat> could maybe get it done for cheaper. So yeah, yeah. I went to the best patent attorney in in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It was five hundred and like. $50 an hour, gave himself a nice 20 or $30 an hour raise in the time that we were together. But um, I ended up spending in the six figures to get this patent and it took two and a half years to get. So the process is, hey, we've got this great idea and we're going to write it this big so that we can cover as much of the product as possible. The patent office is like, nope, we want it to be this big. And then they're like, okay, well, how about this big? And then they're like, nope, how about this big? And they're like, how about this big? And they're like, nope. And then you, it's just a battle of back and forth to get see how much we can get away with and see how much they'll allow it. And every time that goes back is, unless you pay for the expedited, that was another great check. Like for $3,500, like instead of six months to get a response, it's six weeks to get a response, but that's 3,500 bucks right up front. So it's like, well, I don't wanna wait six months for a response. So here you go, it was 3,500 bucks, so. And you but every time you go back and forth, it's 
And you would think that was a new model. Amazon's been doing it for a little bit. They might have got it from the patent office. Yeah. <laughs> the, the idea to pay for extra shipping. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's uh, so it's a brutal process and it's never ending. And so once you get the patent, then it's I have to pay an annual maintenance fee. So you remember those little fidget spinners, those three-sided fidget spinners yeah. that came out? A lady invented that for her autistic son or something, and yeah. she couldn't afford to continue the maintenance fees. And then oh, it, depending no. on the product, it could be 1500 bucks a year or 2000 or 5000 whatever. She lost the patent, and then somebody came in and swooped, and now there's a billion-dollar industry around those stupid fidget spinners. Wow. So, it, you know, it's, you know, when you're growing the business, it's like some serious, okay, well, I got $10,000 in maintenance fees I got to pay this year. I got to carve out that kind of cash every month to make sure that I can pay that bill. And then next year it's going to be 12,000 and next year it's going to be 15,000. Next year it's going to be 20,000. It's like, it's crazy. I never, that, that sounds like we do real estate. So it sounds like real estate where you may own it free and clear, but you still have to pay the state taxes. Yep. And that doesn't go away. You can't, you can, you can sell your patent, but <laughs> it seems like you'd want to hold on to it, but it seems like it's just, yeah, like, I mean, it, yeah. It's good for 15 years. So, you know, you've got that process um, for 15 years and, you know, hopefully you can make something out of it and just uh, there's, so there's millions. You have, I mean, to, you have to pay the maintenance cost for 15 years. Patents active. Wow. That's, and then you have a U.S. patent, but we also have international patents. So each one of each country, every single country is an additional maintenance fee. So, you know, you could go out and a full worldwide patent, depending on category, could be a quarter of a million to start. And then, you know, you got annual fees could be another fifty, hundred thousand dollars a year in annual, you know, just maintenance fees. If you did a full every single country worldwide patent. Are you afraid of, because one, the one thing I'm, I, I'm just thinking about right now is that are you afraid of like China stealing your idea or is that included with your worldwide patent? We're not protected in China. Um, it's really hard. Um, so of course I am. I mean, it, it's it's twofold though. I mean, if, if they see enough value in my product that they're willing to knock it off, I mean, if they if they do anything to the U.S. with my product in it that's not a product, then I can sue the company that's buying it. So I'm protected in the U.S. and all the other countries that we select. Um, <clears throat> so they can't imp or export it to any of those countries anyways. But if they do, it's also like, well, hmm, they think this idea is good enough. Maybe it's building market and more people are going to know about it. And the more people that know about it, the more people will find us, the more product will sell. You know, competition is good, but, you know, it's also got to be done the right way. So. So it brings you, uh, it's like a no, 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 uh, no, there's no such thing as bad marketing. <laughs> Even if it looks bad, it's still good marketing. <laughs> well, one of the things I did find out was, is that the patent is in a, can be an additional revenue source. So, you know, where we have spent six figures plus to get and maintain this patent, if somebody infringes on it, you know, we could still sue them for a million dollars because of that protection. And that is a revenue source to get, you know, if somebody tries infringing or, or stealing our patent. So um, have you, but, have you licensed it? Because I, I'm sure this is, I'm, this is, I have no experience in this whatsoever. I'm just, I pay it. I know a little bit about a lot of things. Can you license this to like a larger corporation and you get paid like a royalty fee? 
in that way? So we, we originally, the idea was to make our own shirt. Uh, we did a Kickstarter and unequivocally, we did not get funded on Kickstarter, but unequivocally the feedback was, why can't I upgrade the shirts I already know and love? And why don't you license the technology so you don't have to compete with all these other dress shirt brands? And so yeah. we've met with every single brand, every major brand, you name it, Untuck It, Ralph Lauren, Perry Ellis, uh, PVH, which owns Tommy Hilfiger, Calvin Klein, Van Hughes. I mean, they're, they're everybody. And we got really far. Then a couple of years ago, we got a meeting with Express, which was amazing because it's actually the shirt I got married in. And so yeah. we, they flew us up, you know, we came to, uh, to Ohio, we met with them. They were super excited. We're talking about it. They sell 30 million Express 1MX shirts a year. I mean, this is massive. And yeah. so we're in this meeting and I'm like, hey, you want the best marketing ever? Here's the my actual wedding shirt for my wedding day. And they're like, oh my God, this is great. And then COVID hit and it found out that Lex Wexler, the owner was basically the guy that funded Jeffrey Epstein. And then, you know, the company was, they're trying to sell off part of like Victoria's Secret because it was just diving. So like the, the perfect storm of three terrible things happened. So we've been trying to license it. Absolutely. We just, we haven't, uh, haven't been able to get somebody to to bite. Wow, that's man. This is, it, it's a very interesting path that you're got, that you're on. That not a lot of many people have seen or heard. So I'm I'm really trying to dive in deep here because this is a uh, it's very intriguing information. I take it I take it upon myself to know I can have I like having conversations with a lot of different types of people just because I like absorb different information from a lot of different places. So mm -hmm. I can talk about the randomest things. It's weird. <laughs> I love I mean, my wife's friends are like, you know, they talk about something and I comment on it and they're like, how do you know that? I'm like, I don't know. I meet people, I retain interesting things. I don't know. I just done so, so much stuff. So so you get it. So after I think I think you're doing amazing. I mean, you, you trying to license it. Have you thought about doing something like Shark Tank to get maybe get out there more? thousand percent you know a hundred thousand people apply every year and you want to try to be one of the 275 that gets picked it's uh it's very 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 competitive and i we my wife and i moved to los angeles we ended up meeting uh mark burnett's personal assistant who was able to get me into like the process but even uh -huh. that wasn't enough to get me through and onto the show so i've known other people that know other people that know like the top guys over there and those uh, guys can't get me on the show and they're like super influential and so there's just it's it's highly 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 competitive i mean it, it's the best marketing you'll ever get for free 10 million yeah. people will watch it and you know it could change your life i've met a bunch of shark tank contestants i've met a bunch of people but never made it on this is man. That's even that's even its own man. You've you've literally tried everything. I mean, you're 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 doing the business consistently, which is amazing. And then you're trying to do other things to get the business to blow up even more. Because what I like about it is you're you're um it's a, it's a low price point. It's a low price point to up, upgrade the shirts, and you already have everybody already owns the shirts, so it's just a matter of clipping it in. Can you do a demonstration of how easy it is to clip it in for people that are watching on video? So it's actually sewn in. So that is the challenge with our product. So this is what it oh, looks like. Okay. It's nine inches long. So what a tailor will do is open a couple stitches right here. They slide right. it in and it sits just inside of the shirt. So the beauty is, you know, like I've got this great contrast and you can see both sides of this part of the shirt. 
it's inside. There's always two layers there. So once it's in the shirt, it it's in, it lasts forever. It'll never fold. It'll never bend. It'll never break. Uh, and it's just in there. So the beauty is every shirt, dress shirt's made exactly the same. Um, and so you literally open a couple of stitches. It takes five minutes to do. Anybody that knows how to sew. I've got my little sewing machine right here. I don't know if you can see it, but um, you know, I, I'm in the middle of upgrading some shirts for our inventory. Uh, so we also, so we can, you can buy just the stay and then, you know, have your tailor or your dry cleaner or your mom install, install them. Um, or we have a wide selection of Tommy Hilfiger, uh, Michael Kors, Ralph Lauren, Calvin Klein, like tons of shirts that are already bought and upgraded. And then uh, we also have a VIP pack. So you mail me five shirts, we'll install them and send them back to you all upgraded. So easy, any way to do it. And then there's now we have a polo pack. Looks like you're wearing a polo. So yeah. it comes with a little seam ripper. So the way that polos are made, you just pop a couple stitches, you cut this to length, you pop it in your polo and it just sits in there and stays and just totally changes the look of it. So that's kind of a DIY one, but <clears throat> I like I like that it's permanent too. I mean, mm -hmm. you just put it in there, so back, and you're you're good to go. And you wash it, and do everything you normally do, and it pops right back up. I mean, think how many times you like put on a dress shirt, and you're like leaving the house, like damn it, I forgot my collar stays, and like this collar's curling out this way, and this one's curling in. It's like, you know, permanent collar stays are great if they work, but they're they're typically too thin to actually be effective. So this is actually thick enough to be in there. And because of the way that the plaque, it kind of opens up, you don't really see where any of it is. So it's cool. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I like it. I'm gonna have to order myself some because I, I am not a tie person. I hate ties. Um, I used to be religious and I used, to, when, I used to wear ties like every day in high school. So I'm like, I think I'm burnt out with ties for a long time. Yeah. And Giving them all away, so I think I'm I'm going to that that look right there. That's good. I sold cars, dude. They made me wear a tie. I was like, <laughs> you know, you're walking. You know, you can always tell the guy that's wearing a tie that's doing it because he has to. It's like that doesn't. That's not. That's not the right look. <laughs> uncomfortable. He's like he's like he might look good, but he's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Just, it's like the single knot, like not not a double Windsor. It's just like just, I had to throw this thing on, you know. So um, let's talk about uh, selling a business. Have you, are you in plans to sell this? Are you keeping it for life? Just keep the licensing or have you um, sold it in the past? I sold one business, two businesses uh, already. So I had a screen printing and embroidery business. We sold that. Um, we did that to move to Los Angeles. So we sold that business, actually ended up going to one of my clients. And then our real estate portfolio not really a portfolio. We had two two buildings, but we had thirty two offices and two buildings, okay. um, fully rented. Huh? That's a portfolio. Thank you. All right. Well, portfolio. So yeah, we bought. Uh, we had one in Milwaukee, one in Green Bay. We sold them to one guy. That company was called uh, GetOffYourKitchenTable.com. So we had all inclusive small offices. Um, it came about because I was looking to move my screen printing business out of my basement and I'm like looking at places and it's like, yeah, this, you know, 20 bucks a square foot or whatever. And it's like, then an electric bill and then a water bill and then, uh, insurance and, uh, internet and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, I, I don't know. You know, I could have a good month, a bad month. I don't know. What's the number. And so we bought this 6,000 square foot building, put my screen printing business in, in part of it my wife opened a gym uh, gym in part of it 
And then we had eight offices that we subdivided and rented those out, all inclusive with internet and everything. We had one, our smallest was 95 square feet. We were getting $350 a month, which is almost $35 a square foot, just crazy. But when you package it all together and you're like, hey, dude, you can have this space with internet and your own lockable little office. You don't have to have people at your house anymore for 350 bucks a month. They're like, okay, I'll take that. That's great. Rented like that. So we did that. We had 32 offices and two buildings uh, and sold that to a guy. It's amazing what the marketplace tells you what, what's needed because like me, I would take that because I don't like it gets me out of my out of my house and I don't know necessarily need that much space. Yeah. And that's not that's not a bad deal. I would probably do that deal. <laughs> just don't go home and do the math because you'll get mad. But you know, it's like it's just an all-in thing. I mean, again, it was a problem that I had. I don't want to be nickel and dime. I don't want to think about what I have to come up with every month. I want to know what my bill is going to be, especially if I'm a small and growing business, I need yeah. to be able to budget. And so we had $350 offices all the way up to $900 in that, in that building. And then the next building, I think they were like two or 300 bucks down up to like 15 or $1,600. And so the second building we bought, like I bought this building, it was advertised for a 1.3 cap. Okay. And I'm like, this, this can't be right. It was 16,000 square feet, all brick. It had 20 offices and it was getting $4,000 a month and it was bought up by a REIT and nobody was managing it. Nobody, nothing, nobody was touching it. It was still getting four grand a month for a hundred. They were asking $199,000 for it. And I got it for 160. I redid the carpeting, the paints. We put a new roof on, just like updated it, filled the whole building, added two more offices. And I sold it 13 months later for 450. Not a bad deal. Yeah, it's all right. You can do that. Deal. Could, li could live on that. <laughs> you can live on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's amazing, man. Um, what is the you should, I think you said the goal is now to try and find somebody to license it. You're still trying to get on Shark Tank. What's you're just continuing the business. Um, what is how, how long have you started this, by the way? How long have you been doing? So this magical day was in February of 2013. And again, it took almost three years. So we basically launched January of 2016. We sold almost a half a million units to people in hundred and almost 130 countries. So the goal, you know, we were going to do a shirt and then we went to just this aftermarket kit. We've actually launched our own dress shirt once. Again, we did it right in the beginning at, of COVID and sold out and couldn't make anything else. That company's called Go Tylus, this one. Okay. Uh, so first shirt designed to be worn without a tie, million dollar collars pre-installed. Uh, we're starting to bring that back out. Uh, but one of the cool things that we do is I can digitally print anything on fabric. So we did these shirts for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. We uh -huh. took their logo, printed it right on the fabric, and then we cut and sew it into the shirt. So it's on the cuff, it's on the collar band, it's inside the placket. So if you're looking for like a branded company shirt, you don't want that left chest, you know, trade show looking shirt like that. You could have it digitally printed into the fabric and right in and have a dress shirt that's your brand. So that contrast, instead of it being some pattern, it's actually your logo. I might have to do that. I might have to do that. This is <laughs> they're epic. I mean, they're made in Turkey. They're incredible. Um, we're doing them for about $55 a shirt. It's a 50 shirt minimum because, you know, we're, they have to make it worthwhile at the factory. But you're 55 bucks a shirt, 50 shirts. 
take about eight weeks to make, uh, but they're really high quality. Our shirts um, have the hole that's called a convertible cuff. So I've got a uh-huh. hole in between the buttonhole in between the buttons. So you can wear cufflinks with it. Any, most anybody body color. And then it, this can be any color you want. Any, any logo, any colors, any, anything. That's amazing. That's yeah, amazing. that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I have to talk to my partner. See if he wants to split it. Cause like uh, one one thing the problem with me is like I'm like I'm big. I'm like I use I'm like big and tall. I need like extra sizes. I have to go. I, have, I can only shop at certain places. We're extra small to four XL in slim and standard. So we should have you covered. I mean I'm six two, two hundred and ten pounds uh, on a good day. So I wear an extra slim, extra small, extra large slim is what I wear. So. Yeah, I'm 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 about the same height, but a little bit bigger. <laughs> it's all right. You can get that XL standard. I was like that 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 low two two hundreds like ten years ago. I'm just I'm just I'm a trying. Big guy. I'm just a big guy. I mean, look at my wife, dude. I can't be like you know she's she's tiny, not tiny, but she's shredded. So <laughs> trying trying to stay in relatively in the range. No, that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> are, are you still doing real estate at all? Just getting back in, I actually have had my license um, the whole this whole time. Um, so I did it for, I don't know, 14 years in Wisconsin. Okay. And then we moved to LA for five and a half years, just moved to Georgia. And as a way to get me out of the house and kind of like meeting people and learning the areas, I've moved my license here to Georgia with the lady that helped us buy houses. So I'm going to putz around with it. I've got a concept that we're working on. My wife and I are working on right now. Um, that we'll hope to be rolling out in the next uh, year, but something a little different in real estate is, um, you know, we like to try to find something a little different we can do. You can. Uh, what's What's beautiful about real estate, you can kind of create your own niche, and a lot of pe- there's a lot of different things that people don't even talk about that people are doing. So, and like it's it's kind of cool that real estate is so expansive, expansive. Because mm-hmm. even even what you did with your with your little uh, offices. That was, that's amazing. It's a, it's creative and it's it's creating opportunity out of nothing. And you like four yeah. x your you like four x your return in thirteen <laughs> months. So we, yeah. you can't you can't not being creative. Um, so it's really, we, we, we like messing in the real estate world. But um, are you so you're only you're only doing agent type transactions right now? Yeah, I'll just do you know showings and inspections like i i was going to be an architect i thought i wanted okay. to be an architect when i went to college uh and real estate was just a way to get me into those homes to see you know the architecture and to be able to appreciate it and i i was in uw milwaukee which was like the number two architecture school in the country at the time at the time and i grew up on the east side of milwaukee and all those homes these mansions that are on lake michigan were all built in the 20s um, all the way down to like these duplexes. Uh, and so the woodwork and the, the detail in some of these houses was just incredible. So I love, you know, exploring that and checking that out. I've always done kind of the residential side. We owned commercial because I, I never liked the idea of bathrooms and the more going yep. there was to me, there's more potential issue. So yep. had 20 offices and three bathrooms or four bathrooms in that one building. So it was like very, very minimal plumbing. No, that's, that's the way to go. The way to go with commercial. You can definitely amplify your. So uh, we we stay away from single family ourselves. And like I don't know, I don't want single family houses. Oh, why would we? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, the more doors the better for me. Um, 
you know, 32 was in two buildings was a great number. We bought one building for 185, the other for 160. We put tons of money into them to make them nice, but both were fully rented. And we got out of those, I think in 2018. So a year before COVID hits and, you know, who knows what, ha- I don't know what happened to those commercial buildings, if they're full or empty or, you know, you'd think somebody who's just kind of looking for a place outside of their home is going to be, I'm out. So I don't know if they did well or not, but timing worked out. We sold those and uh, bought a yacht and then started the yacht charter business. That's my wife on our boat um, in Los Angeles. So yeah. We how, just how, how profitable is that? Insanely profitable. Really? Yeah. My business partner, he's always joking around. He's like, well, we all, we're always trying to get nice things that other people pay for. <laughs> I love that. That's my life. Yeah. I mean, we, um, you know, we wanted to do a boat. I was helping a, a buddy who was a captain. He had three boats that he was running business. And I didn't think he was very good at the business, but he was, uh, it was a great industry. And so we looked it up and just kind of did some research and uh, scooped up this boat and uh, built a health business out of it. We're in the process. We, we had an offer on it, um, but Los Angeles has made it impossible for us to sell the business. So we're just going to have to sell the boat at some point. What do, you, what do you mean? With, done with California. Oh, man. Yeah. None of, none of the licenses are transferable. And so I keep asking. I'm like, hey, well, can we find a way? Like the business owns the licenses. Like, nope. Whoever buys it has to go to the end of the line of everybody else who's trying to get in line to get into the business. And so like nobody's going to buy a business that's operating and let it sit for a year and a half to get active. That's just not how it works. So you guys are actively not allowing me to sell a business. So it really sucks. But now that we're in Georgia, we're like, it's time to move on. Ah, maybe it's worth it to be as the face of the company, but hire and partner with someone in the back end that way you can get residuals off of it. Well, we've got the boat running, but it's, you know, we're now, we bought it with 350 hours. Now it's almost 2000 hours on it. And so uh, I've got a great captain. I've got a great team over there, but it's still a lot of stress. It's a lot of worrying. It's a lot of it's just so far away. I went, I flew 34 times last year, to, mostly to go out there to work on it or to, you know, help out when one of those guys couldn't do it. So, um, you know, I was out plenty. I, I, I like being home. We're on five acres now here in Georgia and I got lots of space and projects and, uh, you know, we just, we run stuff for a while and time to move on. No, that's good. We switched because I was just in Georgia and I just moved to LA. So we're, we're, we're barely switch roles here. Yeah. My wife came here to work, um, in January of last year. And I'll tell you what, and she was here for seven weeks. She found this house. There was nine offers. We won. And uh, two weeks later, I was packed up and out of, out of California. Well, what part of, what part of Georgia do you live in now? Uh, we're southwest of uh, Atlanta in next to Peachtree City in a town called Tyrone. Tyrone. We're on a dirt road. My internet sucks. I got like 10 download internet. So I'm happy that this podcast is working because uh, if it was raining and stormy, I probably would be in and out like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, one of one of my one of my clients that I'm actually doing a deal with, he lives in uh, Kings Mountain. No, is it okay, Kings Mountain? It's a uh, it's next to Columbus. I forget yeah. something mountain. I can't think of it right now. 
But um, there's a, there's a lot of opportunity. I, I like I, I like Atlanta. There's so much opportunity in Atlanta. So much opportunity. Yeah, it's, uh, that's what our new idea I think is going to crush it down here. So we'll uh, we'll have to hop back on and talk about it once we get the groundwork laid. Because I just finished a course on how to buy a boat and start a business and do the whole charter thing. So that is about to launch. And just don't do it in California. Yeah, just don't do it in Los Angeles. And as this new thing that we do, we're gonna we're gonna keep track of everything, so we'll be able to put out a course on the new thing that we're doing. So it's it's amazing, and I'm really glad you mentioned that, just because a lot of people don't see the value in courses. But if somebody does, if somebody already went down that path, laid it all out for you, why not take the course? I wish I would have done that for my first business. I probably wouldn't even have started it. Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know, I I think that was one of the challenges I found with you know, my product is there's very, very few things on the planet that you buy one place, but you have to go somewhere else to get it installed just to use it. So I didn't really have that path to follow with million dollar collar, which was a challenge. Um, but with the charter thing, it's like, it's a boat, it's a process. It's, it's a thing that can be replicated fairly easily. So yeah. um, I just thought there was just a cool thing. I was compiling all the information was actually kind of fun and, and going through it all again. And, we built, we're one of the top chartered boats in Los Angeles. I mean, if you search charters in LA where we pop up and we've got a different looking boat than everybody else's boat. And so, I don't know, we made it pretty successful pretty quick. So. No, that's amazing. Uh, what is, what is a quote that is yours or somebody else's that you resonate with? Um, I think it was Wilt Chamberlain, but he said something along the lines of uh, give more than people expect and you'll, you know, you'll always be successful. I just back to those days of cutting grass. It's like, I always want to make sure I cut every blade of that grass and that the lines were perfect. And I just always, even my screen printing business, like we folded every shirt individually. I labeled them all with my own label. Like I just made it a little bit nicer than people get it. I'm like, Oh, this is great. You know, I, the packaging for our product is, is better than most people expect. I had one friend that was like, dude, your packaging is better than like Hermes or something like you're way too over the top on your packaging, but it's a nice surprise and it doesn't cost that much money to put things together. I mean, people order so much stuff on Amazon now and packaging is like not even a big deal. It's just stuff. Half the stuff I order just comes in a plastic baggie with a barcode on it. I mean, it's like, there's just nothing to it anymore. So doing a little something extra, is not expensive. And it, it, it I think it stands out. It's uh, p putting the love into the product. That not most people don't care. Most people don't care. So, putting yeah, my shirt. mom does all the shipments. I mean, if you order from our website and it, it'll say your name, it'll say Dan, she'll write on the packing slip Daniel and then she'll sign it Chris. I'm like, a, per, a, heart, a human being touched that. So, it's something Good. extra. And then if somebody gives me a hard time about not getting what they expected, I'll say, I'm really sorry. My 72 year old mother messed up. Can you cut me some slack and I will make it right? <laughs> If you don't, I have to fire her. Don't, we don't want. Yeah, I that that <laughs> tradition ended with me and our family. <laughs> <laughs> don't make me fire my mom, please. <laughs> I think a lot of people like. There's a it's a it's a it's a funny thing that I hope my I have a lot of clients. So I'm like, I'd rather keep my employees than my clients. Because my 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 clients service a lot more employees. My my client my my employees service a lot more of my clients. So you as an individual client are not really as important as my as my people are. My yeah. employees are. 
And it's, it's kind of hard to convey that. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to tell the client that too much. Um, I know, but this is going to go live to all my clients. <laughs> yeah, my dad was, so he was in the jewelry business and he grew an incredible, incredible business. And he, it was always client first, team second, and company third. And if you put the client's needs first, then, and make sure that, you know, the team is working together well, everything worked out. He grew faster than any other jewelry company in the country. I mean, he's, he was, I think, th number three when he retired uh, behind the third largest independently owned jewelry store uh, in the country. So uh, highly respected in the industry and it's just, just made, made decisions. So it was easy to kind of follow his path on how to do business because I watched him go from nothing to 35 million a year in revenue. I have a good question for you. And it's something I haven't done before, but how do you stay consistent and don't hit burnout? Because you've been doing this, you started nine years ago, which is a long time. How do you not burn out in business? Uh, I think it's it's a passion thing. You know, if if you're just, and this might be channeling my Gary Vee, but you know, if you're just doing it for the money, it, it's easy to burn out because you, you, there's never enough money. But every time I get an order, or even better, when I get a review from somebody, I was like, dude, this is this thing changed my my whole outlook. And people look at me differently. They don't even know why they're looking at or what they're seeing that's different to me. But I, when I get a review like that, to me, it's that's that's what makes it. I mean, money's great, but getting something in the hands of somebody that's looking for that, I've always been looking for this. I always thought this was a problem. That to me, it, you know, and there's days that I'm like questioning my life choices for sure. Uh, fortunately, when I'm doing that, usually my wife is on top of the world and she's doing great and she lifts me up and the days that she questions her, her choices and I'm doing well. And, you know, so we balance each other out really well that way. Uh that's a, it's a, it's a hack to have your, your partner on the same page, even when ups and downs come, because it's never, it's never, no. it's never all the way up or, or flat. It's a, it's a roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. sure writing, writing out those uh, commission checks for the maintenance of your patent is just like, uh, here we go again. Freaking hits again. It's like, oh, and it comes out of no, like, I'm not even, I don't even know when they're coming. It's like, oh, 3,500 here and 2,700 there. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to put your website down here, milliondollarcollar.com. Go check it out. I, I think it's a great product. I'm going to have to buy some. My wife actually sews, so I'll have to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get Done. Let me get the pack. Watch my three minute video. She'll be like, dude, this guy's a knucklehead. I, if he can do it, I can. <laughs> yeah, I, ha I have I have a very big problem with ties. I haven't worn a tie since I got married, and I will probably live with that for a while. <laughs> yeah, I think outside of being in a couple friends' weddings, I have not worn a tie since my sister's wedding. Uh, and then before that, one time I got to go to the Magic Castle, and you have to wear a tie to get in the Magic Castle in L.A. Um, so oh, I had, that was the one time I've worn a tie in the last, like, 15 years, I think. Wow. It'd probably be a no for me. I'm like, if I have to wait for it, well, you can, you can. I found out you can, you know, where you got the little buckle up there with the two strings. Like, you could wear that. I'm like, oh, oh that like, would have been cool if I were to. Like, I don't know what the hell that's called. It's called bolo ties, I think. Okay. Yeah, you could do that, but you can't. You have to have a tie and a jacket. I know, but it's Magic Castle, dude. You have to go. Like, it's it's epic. I've never even heard of that. Are you in LA? 
I am. Okay, it's in. Uh, it's it's just on the north side of Sunset. Uh, I think it's in West Hollywood, but it's invite only. So, but it's it's a, a huge. It's a mansion, and every different room is a different magician who's just doing their act, and you just bounce around. You can see different shows, and it's it's insane. But it's it's an invite only thing, so you got to find somebody who's a member. Got it. I just looked it up right now because I'm curious. I was like. Yeah. I, I hear new things and I'm just like, <laughs> well, I appreciate your time. I hope, I hope we get some clients off of this. I I'm definitely going to be a client. So I'm going to have to buy some and tell my wife, wife, wife to watch the three minute video. Cause I don't have time for that. Yeah. But, um... <laughs> and if you want the custom shirts, that's at gotylus.com. There's information there at gotylus.com. The show is sponsored by the list guys. Do you need more leads in your local or virtual market? One in 10 small businesses don't invest in any kind of marketing. The list guys have over 35 plus list types to choose from and you can mix and match any list or criteria. We also use the skip trace list and provide up to seven numbers and email addresses. Every list you purchase will be scrubbed against previous purchases. The list guys are here to save you time. Contact the list guys today at www.1listguys.com. That's www.the1listguys.com. We appreciate your time, man. This is it was a really great interview. You opened a lot of my, a lot of questions that I had. Now I know a little bit more about the patent office. So if somebody yeah. stops me randomly 10 years from now, I'm like, yeah, I met Rob Kessler. <laughs> and we talked about patents and maintenance and all that stuff, and it's already here. See? Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate your time. Um, you I hope bet. MillionDollarCollar.com. Check it out. Thank you. Look your best.